are listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast, real reasons to have hope in this world. Hi, I'm your host, Tracy Tiernan, and this is going to be so much fun. A multicultural Christmas, a conversation with a couple of friends of mine from different parts of the world, sharing some of their Christmas culture traditions and how their faith and their culture integrate. I know you're going to love this conversation. Let's just jump right in. Well, hello, everybody. How are you? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Tracy Tiernan, host of Your Day Brighter, the podcast, and uh, just delighted to have you hanging with us. Uh, we are talking tonight about something that is very near and dear to my heart, multicultural Christmas. It is a beautiful thing to get to know this great God of ours uh, by getting to know people from all around the world. Did you know that Jesus was not American? Did you know that that God is is not in this little cultural box of what we've experienced in, in our whole lives, that he is the God of the world. And he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so the, the more that we get to know the people of the world, we get to see how this huge, great God of ours is expressed uh, so beautifully through all of these diverse cultures. And so I'm excited that we're going to talk tonight with um, three lovely ladies, three friends of mine, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. I have my friend Fidelia Israel, uh, my friend Margarita Kabelian, and my friend Yahaira. And forgive me, Yahaira, because I don't know if I pronounced your name, your last name correctly, or Matias? Matias. And, and so Fidelia and Margarita and Yahaira are going to be uh, sharing a bit about their cultural traditions. Fidelia is from India. Um, my friend Margarita has Filipina heritage and Yahaira is from Puerto Rico. And so um, we're ready to, to listen, to learn. They all, I wish that we could share food because that would be amazing. Because <laughs> I happen to love food from all of these uh, beautiful regions of the world. Fidelia, I'd love to start with you. Tell us a little bit about um, where you're from, a little bit about some traditions that are specific to your cultural heritage. I was born in the southern part of India, and we speak Tamil, but my dad uh, was a government servant, so he worked for the Department of Health, so which took him to the northern part of India. So I was raised in the north, even though I'm basically a South Indian, but raised in the north. So I also have the, that has given me the opportunity to learn two languages. So I can speak Hindi, which is our national language, and Tamil, which is my regional language. So uh, my dad was not a big, he was not big on North or the South, are you a South Indian or a North Indian? He was not uh, big on that, but he was very particular that we had the God culture in our home. So he was, I was raised in a very devout um, Christian family. You know, everything revolved around Christ. So I have a very solid foundation on Christ. That's how I was raised. So all this is all secondary, you know, being a South Indian and a North Indian is all secondary. Everything was God-centered. That's how I was raised. Beautiful. I have to ask you, is you're, you're dressed so beautifully. Is there some significance or anything that you can tell us about what you're wearing? Um, today I'm wearing a sari. Basically, this is worn in the uh, southern part of India. And it's basically a six uh, yards of fabric that is wrapped around me. And you just tie it around yourself and you just pin it so it doesn't fall off. And um, people from the north where the other one, the pants set that you have seen, known as salvar kameez. So that's how you distinguish. But now, you know, everybody wears the pants set because it's so comfortable. But this is a traditional South Indian attire. It's beautiful and you look beautiful. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I wanted to let you know is my dad, he was very particular. So regardless of, we as children would go out and play, 
but at 7.30, we had to be home. No matter how much fun we are having outside, we had to be there in the living room for prayer. So that's how our day ended. Coming together as a family, we still sat down on the floor or on the couch, and we sang a few songs, and my dad would read the Bible, and he would explain, and then my dad or mom, one of them would pray, and that's how, after that, we had our meal. So that's something that I have tried to follow here with my family, with my children. Now my boys are married and I'm hoping and praying that they're following that tradition. Well, I loved um, that you said it was less about the North and South Indian culture and more about the God culture. How would you describe God culture? God culture is everything has to be centered on Christ. He's your focal point, you know? It is not about following certain traditions of the North or certain tradition of the South. Does it please God? Is God happy with your culture? So, you know, South could have some good points, North could have some good points, but that is man-made. But are you following Christ? He should be the focal point of your life. If he is pleased, that's the culture you need to follow. He should be happy, whatever culture you're following. That's where I can explain. That's beautiful. Can you tell me, Fidelia, Christmas morning when you were home in India, uh, when you were growing up like a little girl, what was that like? Christmas is very different from here. Um, we didn't have gift giving and all that. that. That was not the focal point. Christmas morning, we woke up because we all got to wear new clothes. That was the best part of the Christmas morning. We all wore new clothes, went to church. All of us together went to church wearing our new clothes. That was the best part of that day. And that evening, my mom would pack homemade goodies and we distributed it to our neighbors. And this happened throughout my life. So it was my job and my brother's job to go knock on each family's door and we had over 50, 60 families, and we had all these homemade goodies. We would put it on a tray, and then we would knock and say, Merry Christmas, and we would give that to them. That is how we shared our love. And it, it had nothing to do with gifts. Gifts is something that I have incorporated after coming to this country, but now uh, we have gotten rid of that. We don't do that anymore. Because I believe Christmas is all about giving not receiving it's jesus's birth the best way my husband says is is uh, christmas is jesus's birthday not yours your birthday is in april so we'll give you gifts then <laughs> thank you so much for sharing uh, margarita let me go to you if i may now margarita cabellian uh is coming to us from seattle washington and uh we've, we've known each other for many many years uh we even used to live like practically next door, just a couple of doors down from one another. And I know there's some food that you make as part of your Filipino heritage that I really wish I could have tonight when I was talking to you. Um, <laughs> you still make mumia? <laughs> I do. And this is actually the first year that I haven't had an event surrounding lumpia making. So um, I started it well, I started making lumpia, which if you don't know, are little Philippine egg rolls. Um, and, you know, they're nothing fancy, but they're party food. And you can't have a Filipino party without lumpia. Yeah. It was actually my very first job as a child. I would help my mom during the Christmas season roll lumpia, and she would sell them to her American work uh, co-workers. Right? So I've been making them since I was little. Wow. And then it wasn't until... I believe it was when the typhoon hit the Philippines several years ago when we were living just a couple of doors down from you that um, God placed on my heart to do a fundraiser with the Lumpia. And so um, a bunch of my friends and I got together and we rolled Lumpia and collected money to send to a typhoon relief in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the first time I created an event around making Lumpia with others. And it's kind of become a tradition that I've carried over here um, with our current church, um, sad to say, this is our first year we won't be doing it, but we've been doing yearly 
Olympia night events where like the kids and I prepare huge batches of the, the filling and prepare everything. And then whoever wants to from the church, we gather in the church fellowship hall and roll it and people contribute for costs, but it's so that everyone can have it for their parties, um, with their families and friends. And it's just the most fun way to, um, to gather around food and share our culture. And so that I'm not by myself in my kitchen, like at 11 o'clock at night, rolling all by myself. <laughs> so that's one of the newer things that I've done, um, I'm incorporating my culture in Christmas, but it started at Bridgeway about whenever the, the typhoon was in the Philippines. Wow, what a, a beautiful way of having community and, and doing something to celebrate your culture. Now, now you're um, uh, second generation? Uh, yeah, my parents immigrated to the States in 1975. Um, my mom arrived first on 4th of July, and my dad and my brother followed on Christmas Eve. So wow. holidays are huge <laughs> for us. And um, so I was born in the States. My brother was born in the Philippines. Um, but if you know a little bit about Philippine history, the United States and American presence was very um, prevalent in the Philippines from about 1898 through the 1950s. So my parents were heavily influenced by American culture and prior to that by Spanish culture. So we have a lot of traditions that are um, shared with um, American culture as well as Spanish, um, Spanish culture, Spanish heritage. Mm -hmm. Do you remember some things specifically um, from growing up in your home um, with your parents that were uh, part of their cultural way to, to celebrate Christmas that you're now doing besides the food piece, which is, that's a sure, that's a fun one. <laughs> I always jokingly say that Filipinos are the party Asians and it's just completely tongue in cheek because we love to throw parties and we love to throw big parties. Um, and so my parents emigrated without their big, they have huge families back in the Philippines. And in the Philippines at Christmas time, it would be like almost a 24 hour celebration. People would start gathering at the house and it would go all night until morning. But we didn't have that extended family here. We had like a couple, an aunt and uncle and their families, but it wasn't to the extent of, of what we had in the Philippines. So, um, over the few years of being here, my parents, you know, um, grew a Filipino, an extended Filipino family community based on people they met through work and others. And we, we didn't party all night, but we did, we did um, carry that tradition of having a huge Christmas party. It wasn't on Christmas Eve, but um, it was just a means to get together again, shared food, lots of laughter, lots of, um, lots of singing, lots of games. And um, it was really the highlights, um, the highlight of the season. I think it was um, by my, my cousins, they're not really my cousins, but they were my, at my parties, at our parties. Um, we would have our own little world where the parents got to talk and we would have our own time. And it was, it, I just remember it very fondly, just a house full of love, full of life, full of laughter, full of songs, full of food. Um, and yeah, so that's that's just one of the things that was brought here, but adapted um, to an extended um, Filipino American family. Thank you for sharing that. I can't help but 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 uh, think how hard this season has been on everyone. Uh, but it's you know if you come from a culture that loves to celebrate with you know large gatherings and is used to having a house full of as you said laughter and love and food. And, and you're all nodding your heads like mm -hmm. we have this in common. It, we feel that. We feel that's that's a loss um, this year. We feel that. We know that God is working and accomplishing good things through this hard thing. But I think we also have to acknowledge that um, that's really hard um, to be without those things. Thank you so much for sharing. We're going to keep circling around here. So um, uh, I've got more questions for all of you. Yahaira, may, may I come to you? And can you tell us a little bit about... Um, your cultural heritage, um, where where you grew up, and a little bit about uh, what Christmas was like for you as a little girl. So I'm originally born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, I'm from the west coast of the island. Um, so I grew, there, grew up there my whole life until I married. Um, so I've only been here for about 
eight years, um, however long I've been married. <laughs> um, so um, our, our culture, very similarly, we have Spanish uh, background as well. So Puerto Ricans have a mixture of the, the um, native Indians that were there already. Um, they were called Tainos and then when the Spanish came and then we have African culture as well. So we are a mix of Spanish, the native Indians and African. So a lot of our culture revolves around kind of all three coming together to become one. So we have a lot of uh, music that you can see a lot of our African roots like the bomba and the plena. Um, we're in the dancing and the movements. You can see a lot of the African background um, and um, there's a, a big uh, Christian Catholic influence in the island because of the Spanish. Um, so it's very common to see uh, in every single town, there's a, a plaza with a Catholic church right in front of it. Um, and, and that's in every single town in the middle of the town. So usually that's where all the lights go up and the gatherings happen. Um, so it's, it's still very much um, I, I didn't particularly grow up with, uh, unfortunately, with uh, Christmas being revolved around Christ. It's something that I decided once I, I, I was an adult and I made the decision. Um, so growing up, it was more about the parties and the food and the gatherings <laughs> and the gifts. <laughs> so um, so there, there was a, a sense of, obviously, it was Jesus's birthday, but I think it was more cultural because of the influence of Catholicism that's in the culture, but it wasn't so much a faith that was practiced. It was just sort of what culturally happened. So on um, midnight, there's a mass, like midnight mass, and people will go, and then the day after, people go and kiss like the statue of the baby Jesus. So it's kind of <laughs> very, um, those are like um, cultural things, but I, I, at least from my family's perspective, I don't remember it being so center around Christ, but more like that's a cultural thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, certainly big gatherings. We have these um, parties called parrandas, um, where you essentially go in the middle of the night and you surprise family members with songs. So they're like Christmas carols or Christmas jingle, but but very Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> so they're literally called asaltos, which is assault. So you're like getting assaulted in the middle of the night. Um, so it's like 1, 3 a.m. And people kind of know to be prepared with food in case you're the one that gets assaulted in that night. <laughs> so it's like an impromptu party type of thing. Um, we actually got to surprise DA once. It was in the middle of the night and Amber was in on it, but we were able to surprise. So I want to make sure I understand it, a Santos, and it means assault. And you're, surpri you're surprising people in the middle of the night with songs. Yeah, like, with like what you consider jingles or, or, or uh, Christmas jingles, but very Puerto Rican. So very like with a lot of music, maracas, guitars. It's very loud, very happy. <laughs> that is just so, that, that is fun. I mean, that's like a tradition. It really is. I would love that. I mean, it's just basically just show up yeah. and sit on people's doorsteps. I mean, that's that takes Christmas caroling to a whole nother level. Yeah, it's like, it's like Christmas caroling. That's where I was like, there's, there's a term. It's like yeah. Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, with Christmas caroling, at least the way that I've done it, we, we write ahead of time to maybe a, a nursing home or you know, a community and we say, could we please come at this day and this time? And they're all ready for us and they've got cookies for us and everybody's waiting and we come in and we sing. You guys just are like knocking on the door. Show up. <laughs> I don't know, there's just something really fun about that. That's really yeah, cool. Definitely. Yeah. And and to your point, it's it's sad that like this year, um, I just had a baby and it was like the perfect opportunity being on maternity leave to go back home and take the baby and spend holidays back home and it just like didn't happen at all. So it's been it's been I keep thinking like, is COVID going yet? I think I still buy a flight and go. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that you're missing. Yeah. Missing oh, family. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> So thank you so much for sharing that. Fidelia, may I, may I come back to you? You're a woman full of stories. Can you tell me about a meaningful moment when Jesus was real for you at Christmas time? I, when I was a teenager, I remember um, going to church and our services used to be three, three and a half hours long, so which was very difficult. And my dad being an elder of the church, there was no missing church. You were there, but you know, um, as a teenager, you had your moments like, you know, you're rebelling against your parents and, you know, you don't want to go through the service and all that. But right from a young age, when I was, uh, I think, uh, maybe seven years old, a Sunday school teacher came and she talked to me about Christ. And that's when I knew mm -hmm. Jesus is my savior. Even though I've fallen back, you know, as a teenager, I have gone back to my old ways and things like that. But I knew in my heart, I never lost that love for Christ. Mm. And how about caroling? Um, you know, that's one thing I miss in this country because, you know, in India, if it's Christmas season, it's carol grounds. We don't ask permission to tell people, hey, we are coming. Can we come? Or is this a good time? Nothing of that sort. The families are ready with goodies on the table and we would have our guitar and our tambourine and we are in the wee hours of the night. We are out there in uh, in trucks, you know, in big vehicles like a bus and we would just show up on their door and just start playing and the families would come and open the door and they would receive us all in. You know, all of us would just barge into those homes and we would play some songs and somebody would pray and they would give us goodies to eat. And that gave us the strength Aww. to go and knock on the next door. You know, all that eating and uh, uh, this went on. It's like, you know, if you say New York never sleeps, India doesn't sleep. It is so much fun. I actually told my husband, I said, why you play the guitar? Why don't you bring the guitar? Let's just go and walk around the community and knock on their door. We can wear our masks. They don't have to come close to us. We can just say, hey, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Might just do that. <laughs> so obviously that was a very meaningful thing that you did to celebrate. Were there any other uh, aspects of how you celebrated um, Christmas in India that were so meaningful to you that you wanted to be sure to teach your children about it? And, and, and how, I guess this is something I'd love to ask all of you, how important are some of those uh, cultural traditions um, to pass on to the next generation now, now you're all moms um, to share with your kids. Fidelia, you want to uh, comment on that? You know, I would love for my children to know my culture a little bit more, but as you know, my children are, have, they aren't married to Indians, they're married to Americans. So it's uh, even more difficult for me to incorporate that into our family unit. Um, but we try. We try, we say, hey, this is what we do in India. This is what we do in India, you know, because um, but it, it takes work. But uh, I'm teaching the language to my uh, four-year-old granddaughter. Uh, I'm teaching her uh, Psalm 23 in Tamil now. I have heard uh, Fidelia's granddaughter say Psalm 23 by memory in English. Just, just beautiful. Um, Margarita, how about for you, what were some of those um, things that were really meaningful to you that you thought were important to teach to Leo and Ruby? Well, actually, I, something that Yahira said, um, I could identify with uh, where we grew up with a lot of the cultural aspects of Christmas with not necessarily like emphasizing the birth of Christ. I mean, he was there in the Psalms, yeah. but it was like party time. And, um, but I mean, I grew up Catholic and it's been many years since I've been Catholic, but, uh, went to Catholic schools, Sunday school, and there was so much ceremony, so much ritual, so much tradition. And I remember it so well, but as now a parent with a, a great love for the person of Christ, Christ, my savior, it's really important for me to marry um, and underscore that the reason for the season is Jesus. We have all of this. There, this is meaningless without him. So I've taken some of those rituals, like we practice Advent in our home and we have a daily reading. Um, this is our book. Um, this one we just started using the past couple of years. 
Um, but it's from Genesis to the birth of Christ. Every day is a different story pointing at Jesus from, from Genesis to um, the, the need for a savior. And so we do that. We couple it with the Advent calendar. So I've taken the ritual, the ceremony, and I've really, really placed the, the, the gospel story at its center. So that's really important for me. And there was a time when my eldest, I think he was probably about four or five years old, when somebody would ever bring up Santa or something, he's like, yes, but he's not the reason for the season. So he would just make that correction. I'm like, okay, the message is getting through. There's all this glitter and sunshine and things that are fun, but you know, we, it, he, Jesus is a living person in our home. And so, so when it comes to Christmas time, we really do. We try to center that story, that truth, that promise in, in the rituals that we maintain. And they're getting it. It sounds like it. it, it, it it's a hard, proud mama. And then don't be the snooty kid. But yeah. <laughs> a multicultural Christmas. I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. We're going to get right back to it. More with my friends, Fidelia, Margarita, and Yahaira, sharing their culture and traditions and reflections on Jesus and what he means to them during this most beautiful season. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And I hope you'll subscribe, share it with a friend and leave a review because that helps other people to find it too. And now back to a multicultural Christmas. Margarita, can I press in just a little bit more and ask you about how culture is changing or affecting the way that the gospel is presented or stands out or is contrasted in your home? It seems like so many things have been stripped away, you know? What, what have you noticed this year about culture and Christmas? So I think one of the ongoing conversations my husband and I have had through this year is how is the church going to continue to be the church to a world that does not know Christ when we're stuck in our homes. And we we talk about this often because we're part of a church plant and our heart has been to really be a community, ba- uh, like a church based in the community in touch with the needs of the people around us. And we had a food bank, we had like a clothing um, closet for people. And um, it's been a challenge to be an outreach church when you have to stay in, when we have to, um, we inherited our church building from another church and some people stayed, but they were all elderly. So Mm -hmm. early on as a congregation, as a stewardship team, we decided that we would not have in-person services even before it was um, declared by the governor out of love for our most vulnerable. And so it is, it is very difficult to be in touch when you cannot touch. It Mm -hmm. is, very difficult to have heart-to-heart conversations through a screen where you have to have a person log in and be face-to-face, right? They can't just come in and sit in on a service. And so um, that's actually, I don't have an answer, but we've, we've, been, we've been trying different things. We've expanded our services to English and Spanish because uh, uh, two of our pastors are Spanish. We are in the juggle, and uh, I think one of the things we've been trying to do is to listen more as as church leaders to what is essential and to let go of what is not. So we tried to maintain our food bank, and we put in lots of different distancing and protocols, but we didn't have the manpower because people are now home with kids. People are, you know, just different things at different risk levels and can no longer be out there serving. So it was a really hard choice, but, but it was, it was in a sense and other things were happening, but we, we, we listened and we, we heard that, you know, it was time to call it a day on food bank, but now we have to listen to where else, where else we should be going. And, what will church look like after the pandemic? What is it that people need? We expect that after 2020 and when churches are fully able to open, that there are going to be a lot of people looking for a church home. So we're actually in a time of prayer right now, asking God ready us for when the doors will be open 
so that we can receive whom you will send. Um, after 2020, we've had a lot of side conversations with friends, different people who have been in the church but have been disillusioned by the climate in America, by the church. So we have a lot of friends who've walked away who are hurting and we're looking for a new home. And we're like, well, if these are the people talking to us, we know that there are more out there. So, um, so while we're not going to put on a big Christmas show or a Christmas like uh, service for the community this year, we are actively listening. It's Advent. We're waiting. We are waiting for the word of God to say, this is what you will look like next. And we're, we're really trying hard to, to not hold on to the things that we deem important, but really to like let go of what God is saying. We, you don't need it. You have me and I will... I will show you what's next. I think it's exciting, the, the waiting. There's an expectancy that we know that God is moving and working and accomplishing something. He's not stumped. You know, he's not like, oh no, what am I going to do? No, he is God. He is, he's in control and we, we know that. So he's working something good through this hard thing. And, uh, and we are waiting and, and hopefully expecting. I hope our friends that are um, watching and, and listening um, are getting that message loud and clear. And we hope to infuse you with um, hopeful expectation that God is, is doing something great. We're such a culture of doing. And so when we're waiting, we can't do. And it, for some of us, it's, it's especially if you're a struggling, a small church that's trying to grow <laughs> and people can't come to your doors and you can't do anything to change it. You know, it, it can be a fearful place, but, um, but you know, God is faithful and God, you know, we, we, you're right. We just have like the, have patience in the waiting and let not the fear of not doing overcome our ability to trust. That's right. Yeah. Hira, can I talk to you for a moment about uh, some of the, the cultural traditions that have been meaningful to you that you want to teach your little one? So Yahira is a brand new mommy uh, of a beautiful little girl, uh, Amelia Isabel. She's so beautiful. I stalk her on Facebook. Some of us like to we just love babies so much. It's like, oh, my friend had a baby. I just got to see the pictures. I can't get enough. She's so beautiful. And I'm so happy for you and, and Edwin. Um, it, it does, I, for, for people that I've talked to who are new parents, especially, this is a very tender thing to want to be able to communicate your faith, to be able to raise your child up in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about how you and Edwin want to integrate the, the cultural traditions with your faith and in, in Jesus to your daughter? Um, so I think that for us, it's, um, she's a miracle of God to us because we've been waiting for her and asking for her and praying for her for a long time. So I think that we certainly want to incorporate, make sure that she knows that she was prayed for and that she was born with purpose and that she's here for a reason and that God made a miracle. And so I want definitely to surround her knowing that, that she's born with, with purpose and that, that, um, that God, that she was a gift of God and, you know, to us. So I definitely, I think want to start with that. And then, um, when it comes to Christmas, I think, I, I mean, I definitely want to add the Christ aspect to it because I definitely didn't grow up with that. So just centering everything around Christ and the reason for the season. So I'm actually taking notes <laughs> about the Advent book and things like that because I'm trying to like find ideas also on how to incorporate um, Christ um, into the Christmas. Um, I, I definitely I do remember um, when I was little, um, the, in the nativity scene, we would never, we would never put Jesus in until to the 24th at midnight. So our nativity scene was just empty of the little baby Jesus, um, until the 24th. So I think that's, that, that was always a pretty cool tradition that I want to also do, um, with her. Um, and, and when I was buying shopping around for a nativity scene, sometimes the baby Jesus comes stuck to the, <laughs> to the thing. And it's, to make sure that I bought one, that the baby Jesus came out so that I could do that. Um, so um, that's definitely um, one, one little thing that I want to do with her. And I think that right now it's 
I'm listening to moms that have already done it and I'm taking tips on how to do it um, to make sure that we keep, keep it very Christ-centered. Um, so right now, I think I'm on learning mode. I'm just like asking, listening, taking notes, taking advice and, um, and but definitely um, also like the Spanish language is very important to us. So making a Spanish only household right now where we only speak Spanish, Ellen and I, we only speak Spanish to her. The books we read are only in Spanish. Everything we watch is Spanish. It's just very different from before baby. We were like very, um, getting very Americanized. So, um, so that's definitely another, uh, it's very important to me that she's bilingual and that she um, knows uh, where she comes from and just taking her back home when things you know, go back to normal, taking her back home as much as I can, maybe spending summers with family back there. So she just knows where she comes from and her culture, that it's, it's extremely important to us. Yeah, Hira, you said taking her back home. Is Puerto Rico still home to you? Yes, <laughs> very much so, yeah. When we talk about retirement, we're retiring back home. Um, <laughs> it's it's very much still home this is this is the place that's making things happen for us and we're very blessed so we have jobs and we're have the ability to be here and, and create the life that we want but but yeah Puerto Rico is very much still home <laughs> what do you love the most about your home in Puerto Rico what will you tell the your weather <laughs> Yeah, definitely. The, it's warm all year round. Um, just uh, the beaches, just the ability to just go to a beach 10 minutes away and it's blue, crystal, beautiful, turquoise type of beach. Like, I, I love that. And um, I think the a family centered, we, we live in kind of clustered a family. So I grew up and like my grandma was here and my uncles and aunts, like everybody kind of lives very close together and even the neighbors you know like that's a cluster of another family and that sort of thing but they are family too they saw me grow up and and they're, they're also family and we we grew up very much that if the neighbor saw us doing something wrong they could scold us and then they would tell my parents later yeah. type of thing so it's it's like that family oriented um it's, it's, it's something that i really miss and love would you say that there's just a real sense of community among because mm -hmm. I, I even notice it with some of my friends that are from Puerto Rico. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm around you guys together, yeah. Yeah, I think that wherever we find it's like I, it's happened to me several times where I'm in a, a light and I have my Puerto Rican flag on the rear view mirror, and somebody else has their Puerto Rican flag, and we're instant friends. We're like, Oh, so where are you from? Oh, I'm from this side of the island, and and it's, it's just very, it, it's just very, um like magnetic like wherever you see and sometimes i'm somewhere and i'll hear the accent like the puerto rican accent and i'm like i think that person's from puerto rico like it immediately turns on <laughs> and i'm scanning like are you from puerto rico um so yeah very much but i think that um when hurricane maria happened that was something that 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 was very that shown to the world in a, in a big way just how community came together and people and neighbors and if you only had meat and i only had rice we were just going to make a big meal and everybody was going to eat and and people out with machetes cleaning out the streets because like the government um offices couldn't get there like it was i think that um maria was horrible for the island but i think it truly showed that um when people come together it, it was amazing and then the diaspora us out here in the U.S. and the mainland, um, just coming together and sending things, and it, it, it was very beautiful to see that um, that in, in at our worst we were our best. Mm. May that be true of all of us. I think it was uh, Father Richard Rohr that said uh, we are being globally initiated into what matters the most. You know, it really seems like there's this refining process that's going on all around the world with some of the things, some of the bling, <laughs> the things that would capture our attention and our affection and even our worship. We wouldn't call it that, but that's really what it is. And those things being stripped away and, and maybe more than ever, a hunger for the things that really matter for, for Christ, who really satisfies the longings of our hearts. You know, I would love to, to end the whole thing with each of you um, wishing everyone a Merry Christmas in your 
native language. Now, Margarita, do you speak Tagalog? I can understand it and uh, can speak it quite poorly <laughs> to the ear. It's probably marginally okay, but it, to me, it just sounds awful. Um, but I, I can wish everyone Merry Christmas okay. in Tagalog. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, why, why don't we, I'm going to start with you and I'm going to come to Fidelia and Yahira. So uh, a final word from you, if there was something that you would want your kids to know about being Filipino, about their grandparents, about this proud cultural heritage that you have, what would be like one nugget that would be important for them to always remember that you would hope they would pass down? To their children. That's so good. Tracy, that is so, so good. I, I feel like God doesn't waste anything and everything is intentional. And there's a reason why we were made Filipino. And like part of our our spiritual legacy is embedded in intertwined with our ethnic um, ethnic legacy. And uh, his grandparents on both of our sides have a story of what it was that brought them to, to the United States. Again, I think it's very in our plans that God preordained that we would be here. So our story isn't just from the moment we're born to, to when the day we die, our, our story begins with the family God placed us in. So that's why um, I'm a big context person. If you remember strengths finders, context is my, was one of my top five. Yeah. So, um, this morning, the children and I and my husband, we drove 35 minutes to the only large-scale Filipino store, Philippine grocery store, and bakeries and different things, just so that we could have the things for the holidays. Um, and, and, and it's it's food that ties us to our past, right? And so, and our families and our tongues. So I, I, I feel like it's important to share our ethnic heritage because God intended it. It is it is in the fabric of our DNA in to the people he's created us to be. Yeah. And so, so I guess that's, that's why it's important for me to share. And that's food is an easy way. <laughs> food is an easy way and stories. So that that's how and why I shared this, our heritage with my, our children. Thank you so much. And can you say um, Merry Christmas to us? Maligayang Pasco, everyone. Maligayang Pasco. Pasco oh. it's Christmas. Um, Maligayang, I guess, is Mary. Maligayan Pascal? Pascal. 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 Maligayan Pascal. Right. Fidelia, how about for you? You know, I was uh, always afraid that our children growing up here would forget their culture. So what we did, we named all our children. Their middle name is an Indian name. So even if they forget, they'll know that the middle name oh, wow. stands for who they are. And uh, we always tell them, we have never said, you know, our culture is better than the American culture, nothing of that sort. We say, take the good of your culture and take the good of the American culture, incorporate it and make sure it aligns with God culture. Th that's one advice we have given them. We have never said, you know, this is superior or that is superior. Take the good. Your culture has a lot of good things. American culture has a lot of good things. Take it and make sure it's God's culture. So hopefully it is my prayer. You know, we've been married 36 years. Our two boys are married. And uh, we hope whatever we are teaching them, we, have to, we try to be a good example to them. And we hope they will carry it through. And uh, to me, it is very important that the family comes together and prays in the night. You know, it's a blessing to be able to kneel together because that's God's grace. God could have taken you out. You know, you could have lost your life in an accident. So coming together and praying and asking, just saying, thank you, Lord, for help, helping us to be a family today, this moment, and that's God's grace. All that learning, all that praying that we have done for our children, it doesn't go waste. You know, when we stand in front of God every morning and uh, lighting a candle, at the altar, being at the altar, praying for your children. God hears our prayers. Amen. Absolutely. Fidelia, can you say Merry Christmas in Tamil and Hindi? Uh, I can uh, say it in Hindi. Christmas ki badai. Uh, if you say it in Tamil, it'll be 
Christmas nar bar cooker. Beautiful. I, I want to ask you one more question before um, I, I go to Yahaira. And I, I was in India. Um, it's been many years ago. Um, I was in Chennai. Were there a lot of uh, people that were practicing um, Hinduism um, around you? How how rare or not so rare um, was Christianity in India when you were growing up? And do you know if it's if it's much different now? Tracy, it's still the same. Eighty four percent of the population is uh, practices Hinduism, and two point three is a Christianity. You know, the community that I grew up in, there were about 500 homes and there were only two Christian families and we cherished them. We really did cherish them. But we had a lot of Hindu families who would come home to hear the gospel. And you know, that family prayer is a very important time because at 7.30, they knew that the Russell family will be praying. So, so and our doors are never locked. They would just walk in and they would just stand there in reverence because they know that is our prayer time. And they would come ask for prayer and other things. So, so this kind of, these kind of disciplines help. It's amazing, there are a lot of, we, we grew up with a lot of Hindu families, but they knew we would never compromise, that we would stand for what is the truth. And we were never afraid. My dad never, he always taught us to stand for your Christ. And we did, and we have never been ashamed of it. Yesterday, no, two days ago on Tuesday, I was go, uh, driving around my community and I was just so saddened to see that people had decorations and they had all these inflated snowman and inflated reindeer and all that. And I was really, it really bothered me. I said, Christmas is not about the snowman. So, you know, it was at 9.30 at night. I, I came home, went into the garage, looked through my stuff and I found a, found a cutout of Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. At 9.30, that cold weather, I stood out there. I said, maybe tomorrow God may take me. I cannot miss this opportunity. I stood there, nailed that cardboard cutout, put it out there, and put a, a light so it points to baby Jesus. Now I feel so good because people, when they walk right, right around the community, there is. this is the reason for the season. Thank you, Fidelia. Yahaira. How, how about for you, um, as as we wrap up, what would be um, the most uh, special thing that you would want your daughter to know about her Puerto Rican heritage? I, I think, I mean, for us, it, was, uh, it, it started with even choosing her name, the way we spelled her name. Like, we made sure that it was very, uh, like, written in Spanish and that, um, that her last name was... Um, you know, here, like the the, the the women take the husband's last name, but we don't do that in Puerto Rico. So she has the two last names. She has Lorenzo and then my last name, Matias, which is the way that it's done. And we went back and forth. And I'm like, no, like, I, I want to make sure that she knows that this is how we do it. And that's is where she comes from. And everybody else can just learn. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, so, so to me, it's extremely important, even, even when choosing her name, how we were going to pronounce it, everything. Um, so, so it starts with that. And, um, I think just, um, I, I want her to, to take like how happy our culture is and how very family and friend oriented it is. And that it's about getting together and making food and sitting around like, it's not a party without the food and making the food and and um and you know some everybody brings a little bit of something and then you make a party but it's always surrounded around other people and family and friends and and it's it's very happy and it's very joyous so i i want her to to keep that like we're known to be loud and fun and i i want her to embrace that and, and be that in her life um overall especially you know traditionally for christmas um so i i think that that's one of the main things that i want to in, incorporate and with that comes the music the traditional music the traditional dances all of that i want to make sure that she knows um and practices um so so yeah <laughs> do you you know the traditional dances do you you mentioned uh yeah so 
So the plena and the bomba are, are very traditional. And then we have traditional instruments like el cuatro, which is a guitar, but it's smaller. Um, and, and it has a very unique sound. And my husband knows how to play, I don't. <laughs> um, but, um, but teaching her how to like dance and, and um, I know that here in Maryland, like I've already found it, like they have a school where they teach how to dance like bomba and plena and things like that. Just even, even though we're far away that she, she feels close um, to where she comes from. It's, it's very important to me. Mm, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Can you say, uh, of course, Merry Christmas in Spanish for us? Feliz Navidad. Thank you. Um, let's say I'm going to have a Puerto Rican friend over for, let's say I'm going to have a Puerto Rican friend over for Christmas. What is the one thing I need to have on the Christmas table? I would say a lot of things, but mainly coquito, which is our Puerto Rican eggnog. Coquito, it's, it's like little coconut. That's what it means. And it's, it's based off coconut, like the base is coconut. It's like a coconut drink. It's very sweet and I'll make you some. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. Margarita, one thing that I need to have on my Christmas table if my Filipino friends are coming over. Rice. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> White steamed rice, not sticky. Jasmine preferred, but okay. yeah. All right, I got you, girl. I got you. All right, uh, Fidelia, the one thing that needs to be on my Christmas table is if my friend from the North and the South of India is coming for dinner. I would say you should have lamb biryani and naan. Oh, I love naan. I love it so much. Well, um, you all have been just so delightful and I'm really blessed talking to you tonight. There's so many things that we could talk about. I know, I feel like we could like talk for hours and I know we can't, um, but I just really appreciate your time and your heart and the intentional way that each of you is uh, living for Jesus and uh, wanting to share Jesus with your family and with your world. I know this about all three of you, that this is so important to you. It's, it's so important to me too. And it gives me such great hope for the world that you guys are in it and your, your lights are, are shining so bright. So thank you. And um, Merry Christmas to all of you from our family. Bless you. God bless you. It's great to see you. Mwah. Merry Christmas, Thank Tracy. So Thanks for having us. Thank you. So honored. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Your Day Brighter is produced by Brighter Media Group, Tracy Tiernan, and John Lawhon. Editing by Julie Gilligan. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a review, and tell us what you think of the podcast. And make sure you share it with someone who needs encouragement today. Thanks so much for listening. And tell somebody your story today, or better yet, ask to hear their story. 